Welcome to today's episode of the Soul Led Leaders podcast. And today we are talking with Sue Phillips from Ipsos Mori. She is their global head of insight about how we can foster a culture of creativity and innovation, despite, I'm using air quotes there, hybrid working. And we're also going to be talking about how to make sure that FOMO, fear of missing out, does not cause your best performers to leave. She's got some incredible insights that she's going to share about how she has built a culture of innovation and things specific strategies that she uses in meetings to set the scene for creativity to escape from zoom fatigue and to make sure that teams feel like they belong and they can share their best and brightest ideas the soul-led leaders podcast is for corporate leaders who are making waves and changing the rules with their hearts not just their heads but they know that their secret 3am self-talk is getting in the way Where others stress about the status quo, you're the action taker who drives the changes and making a difference and being a crusader is hardwired into your DNA. The Soul Led Leader podcast is here to help. Led by Claire Yosa, law changer, eight times author and international speaker, each episode is designed to help you to clear out the secret glass ceilings you never realized you'd put in your own way so that you can step up showing up with all of who you really are and reclaim your power to make the difference you know you are really here to make in the world with clarity, confidence and passion. Good morning. Hello. Thank you for taking the time today. I am thrilled to introduce Sue Phillips from Ipsos Mori. She is an absolute powerhouse when it comes to creativity and innovation. She's global head of insights for Ipsos Mori. She's an absolute specialist in the creativity and innovation and how we've had to adapt this with hybrid working. She's also the lead of the women in Ipsos. So she's absolutely passionate about making sure that everybody's included and nobody misses out however we are working. So Sue, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Brilliant. So, Sue, what we're going to talk about today, as you're aware, is creativity and innovation and also how to avoid FOMO. Now, I know that you've had to do an awful lot of work with your teams to be able to still generate the insights that customers need. So yes. your customers being major organizations rather than members yes. of the public. And the research that you provide helps these huge organizations to make really important decisions. And I know that with what's happened with lockdown and the pandemic, a lot of your clients have had to make really big decisions that they want to be backed by research. Mm-hmm. The classic ways we used to do research have not always been working. We've had to rewrite the rule book on that. So you've really had to lead your teams through how can we work together in a remote environment and still be creative and with the work you're doing at Ipsos Mori, innovation is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. So could we start with that? Is What have you and your teams learned about fostering creativity and innovation despite remote working and despite the challenges we face through being in the middle of a pandemic? Yes, absolutely. So, yes, we, we were in the situation in February 2020 where 80% of well, 80% of our work was face to face and so uh, and then we no longer had that as an option um, and it wasn't just to do with um, how we worked as a team as a group of people because obviously everyone had to work from home but it was also about the engagement with consumers that who we were actually trying to understand um, so I think so a couple of things um the first thing with the with the remote working and the remote team working is that we here we were stuck with this teams thing, and you then automatically bring brought that culture of 
sitting in a meeting doing the same kind of thing, talking, you know, and over each other, etc. And we brought that and we just realized very quickly that was not going to work. You know, you can't work in the same way. Um, and the other big part of our work was also running workshops. I mean, you also run workshops, I know, um, Claire. And, and we found that, um, again, sitting there watching somebody present something for half an hour and then, you know, expecting some full engagement, again, just didn't work. So we learned very quickly through trial and error. Um, this this was, uh, we, we have to behave differently given the environment. And, uh, and so we embraced the technology. So everyone comments and criticizes and, you know, bemoans the zoomed fatigue and the Zoom meeting, the teams, this and that. And it is a pain. It, you know, it is because you spend so much time on it. But unless you embr- embrace what it can do and work with it creatively, then actually, you know, um, then you don't get anywhere. So that was um, so that so then then it's about thinking differently about how you work together. So uh, we all used to do these kind of Zoom and team calls beforehand because people were you know, sometimes working the odd Friday at home and there would be the odd Zoom call, et cetera. Um, and so nobody would ever have their cameras on. Um, and I'm seeing that creep back now, actually. I'm seeing creeping back after a year of Zoom, people sort of, you know, turning the cameras off and not being there. But unless you're present, unless we, you know, like we're looking at each other now, um, you know, that that doesn't actually work. So it's, uh, it'd be lovely to see Justine's beautiful face and Lynn's beautiful face and Tracy's beautiful face. But you do lose a huge amount without that contact. So that's our first, that was our, has always been our first rule, camera straight on. Um, we, um, in terms of just actually engaging during a session, we would, um, um, over the course of the year, we started to use more and more virtual whiteboard type things. So, so you would, rather than sitting there having to exchange things, uh, you know, like, oh, you look at this PowerPoint, then we'll comment on it. Somebody else look at this PowerPoint, then we'll comment on it. And um, we would, uh, we, we have this virtual, you know, literally whiteboard with lots of post-its on it, where we can get into small groups, breakouts, work work through an idea just as we would do if we were face to face and that again you know I was working with some um, tech guys um this is in the middle of last year about this time last year actually and they were working for you know um they were working for Google and Facebook and actually when I went into this workshop I was really quite intimidated I was thinking oh my god these guys will be doing it so well um but you know no we just we just ran the session with a really good pace you never spent any longer than 10 minutes doing any one thing variety of breakout groups working on this sort of mural board with you know joint activities that they were doing together coming back feeding back Group one, team, tell me what you think. Group two, team, tell me what you think. So there's all these sort of little techniques that you can do to make sure that you keep people in, engaged d- during the session. Because this is all you've got. You know, you've just got this screen. You've just got these people. And it's actually quite, it, it, could, it can be very limiting unless you actually, you know, make it work. So that's absolutely. Absolutely, Jane. As you say, what we used to do in person doesn't translate to Zoom. We need to use new ways. And I know, as you said, I I do a lot of workshops. The work I do as a keynote speaker, what I do online is quite different. You know, the energy that you have to bring to a Zoom call is very different to the energy that you have on a stage, for example. Because one of the key things is in a room, 
we're using each other's energy. We're yeah. building that excitement, that momentum. When you're on Zoom, you have to try and raise everybody's energy and whoever's facilitating that needs yeah. to do it. You can do it through pace. As you say, you can do it through using tools. I know that people are going to ask me, what is the tool that you're using for the whiteboard and the post-its? Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're using Mural, M-U-R-A-L. So Mural is the is the our company. We went through six months of compliance to get there, but we got it. <laughs> I work for a big company and we have to do that. So, But we're delighted with Mural. It's, it's uh, very, very flexible um, and, uh, and, and it has lots and lots of templates that are already set up. So if you're not a creative person, not knowing how to set up something like that, um, they, have a, they have a lot of already made templates. And you literally just click on, you, you know, you can easily get people in. Um, you can, they can easily just double click and there's a post-it magically on the, on the page and they can start writing on it. And so, uh, so even the least tech astute, and we do have quite a few, and they, and they do tend to be the most more senior and mm-hmm. old people in our organization. And they they, you know, initially did struggle with it. Um, but, you know, after a couple of sessions and, and and also a lot of peer pressure of people saying, oh, come on, you can do this. I can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. You know, that, that, that was actually what helped because, again, any new behavior is always a challenge. People will always resist it. Um, but, you know, sorry, we are in the 21st century now and, and these kind of tools, just you just need to start embracing them, I think. Miro is another one and because other other platforms are available. M-I-R-O is available. And there's also a Teams whiteboard as well. And I I, I don't use Zoom a lot, but I think it probably has something similar. So absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Sue. And for those of you who are with us live, I'd love to hear from you via the chat. Looking back over the last 15 to 18 months, whenever you've been on a team or Zoom call, and it's been something that's really made you feel like you were drawn in like your voice mattered. How did people do that? What were the strategies that people have used to make you think, yeah, I'm actually here and I'm present and I'm engaged? So, yeah. Yeah, so I'd yeah. love to hear from people via the chat on that. And Sue, what yeah. are some of your favourites? You've mentioned... So- changing the topic every 10 minutes and that kind of thing yeah yeah so so to me um you never have the uh, the second chance to make a first impression so to me it's all about how you set up the meeting and how you set up the session so as soon as people come in on my screen i say please put um, um in the chat box please say hello um, where you're based. So I want to know which city people are in because people can be in different countries, different cities, whatever. And then I'll always ask them to write in an answer to a question. My favourite one is what are you wearing on your feet? Because, you know, they're usually wearing nothing on their feet or slippers or flip-flops or bare feet like me today. Um, or I'll say, you know, what did you have for your breakfast? What did you have for your lunch? Again, depending what uh, time it was. I might also ask them, you know, what's your superpower? You know, if, again, you're kind of you know, just sort of stretching it a little bit, but it might be something that just makes um, everyone feel, oh, I'm here and it's easy. But what I then do when I'm when they're sort of putting in, oh, I'm having muesli, I'm having um, just coffee for me. You can start to almost engage a flow of conversation where you start mm-hmm. to comment on, oh, aren't we all healthy here? Or you get the prize for the most uh, healthy breakfast or the most creative lunch or the most exotic you know waitrose quinoa salad will come up you know you're you know so so you can create a sort of um, a fun setup to the session which relaxes people but the secondary benefit of that is you I'm talking with you I'm looking at you know Christina and Justine and Lynn and I'm, I'm thinking that they are here and I have a you know 
a sort of rapport with them because you're commenting on their breakfast or their shoe wear or whatever. And so that's that takes very little time, but it's it's very impactful on getting them just going. And then, of course, if you've got 30 or 40 people just dialing in, you see, you can do that with as many people as you've got dialing in. But if you have got 30 or 40 people dialing, you just can't do a proper intro. So then I might do something like, okay, so let's um, all turn our cameras off. To all turn our cameras off and then turn your camera on if you've been to Paris. Turn your camera on if you have run a marathon. Turn your camera on if blah, blah, blah. And then then you say, oh, if you have got your camera off, turn your camera on. Right, so we turn our cameras on when we speak. And this is how we engage with each other, blah, blah, blah. So you then sort of set the rules of, of and the tone of the session. Um, because otherwise people will just revert to, oh, God, I'm not, I'm not feeling like having the camera on today, so I won't bother. Yeah, and then they're doing their emails and everything else again, yeah? Exactly. And, uh, um, yeah, so th- so in a way they shouldn't be there. You know, if they're not going to participate in the meeting, if there's no role for them to be there, then, you know, be more choiceful about being there. Ooh. That's brilliant, Sue. So what you're doing with that is you are raising the energy by yes. getting that discussion going, just like we yes. would do in a face-to-face meeting, yes. so hovering outside the meeting room, waiting for the previous meeting over round to finish, yeah? We'd be yes. sitting there chatting. But you're also teaching them, these are the rules of how this session is going to work. You're going to yes. have your video on and you're going to interact. And I love your Q&A thing there, because if we set Zoom or Teams up to hide non-video participants, you can instantly see who's answering those questions, which works yes. really well with the big group. Yeah. Yeah. And it's giving everybody permission to have an opinion. So it's a very clever psychological way of saying, this is our space and this is how we're going to use it. I love that, Sue. Yeah, this is how I want us to engage. You know, yeah. if you know, if you're not engaging, you're not here, you know. And so there, there becomes a kind of compulsion. Oh, I better say something. I'm really yeah. sure something. Exactly. Yeah. It gets people over that inhibition of, oh, I don't want my video on and I've got a million things to do. It's like, okay, right. Sue has yeah. made it really clear I'm actually here. Fine. I make yes. that commitment and that decision. Yeah. yeah. And I know, Sue, something else that you're passionate about with this for creativity and innovation, and you touched on it briefly in your answer there, it is having this intentionality behind the meeting. It's not just yet another team meeting. This is actually a destination event, isn't it, when you want to yeah. actually get these answers out. So yes. you're really making it clear to people, this isn't just another update. No. This is actually something where we're imagining we've flown in from all over the world to be in a room together to create, yeah? Yes, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's a, about having a, a clear purpose. I don't know if you knew knew this, but I, I only found this out recently, but um, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, who's obviously relatively successful, um, he um, he doesn't do anything in PowerPoint. It all has to be in Word. And he, he has a memo before every meeting, which is clear outlines you know what we're going what the purpose of the meeting is what we're going to discuss uh, what the information requirements are beforehand and uh, etc and um so what that does is makes it very clear for obviously anyone attending why you should be there um but i also think um why do we have catch-up meetings that are just meetings to you know status updates i mean what's you know you can look at you can look at an excel spreadsheet or you can look at a uh, to find out what the status is, it's what you want to do as a result of knowing that status that's the mm. important thing. So let's look at everyone look at the status beforehand and um, and then come to the meeting to discuss what we want to do as a result. And um, I, th- I think people always sort of have this this um, 
uh, think about, oh, I don't like pre-work, what a pain, what a pain. But if you reframe your meeting and say, actually, the meeting will be for you know 45 minutes, but there'll be 45 minutes work to do in order to prepare for the meeting. And so you need to send that pre-work. And so, so almost send an invite for the pre-work that they do alone. They can choose the time. They don't have to do it at the same time. But the fact that there's a 45 minute pre-work and then 45 minutes in the meeting discussion then uh, then you get more value out of that session. Absolutely. I've got some direct comments coming through to me. So some direct messages here in the chat is, well, Sue, could you please come and run the meetings at my company? Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, yes. Maybe we'll get my next career. <laughs> um, getting people going. I start with one sentence sharing a quick win from the week. Yeah, then a breakout on specific yeah. short topics and mixing the groups up each week. This is brilliant. Yeah. And we yeah. can either be deliberate and intentional about how we put people together for brainstorming, or we can use the power of Zoom, for example, to randomly allocate, which is helping us to reproduce those water cooler yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because um, I love the uh, teams do the same thing. I love that sort of, you know, you feel like you're in Harry Potter teleported to this group of people who you don't know it's going to be. What we often do is we don't give people time to do the do the water cooler chat. We, we said, OK, you've got 10 minutes to do this task and you've got to fill this out and come back and be ready to share. And of course, you know, people don't know each other. They always have to have the kind of, OK, so take five minutes just to introduce each other, get familiar with the task and then 10 minutes to get on with the task. Mm. Again, it's a very simple thing, but don't just send people out and, and not expect that they will have to do some of that gelling. And we all say about this, this Zoom world and uh, how we've missed the water cooler co- uh, conversations. It's actually the time that we spend doing that. I went into the office last week and I hardly got any thinking work done because I was in, you know, chatting to someone here. Someone popped by my desk. I'm like, how am I going to get this done? So, you know, we've often because you can, you do. So you do fill your calendar from time to you know with everything. But in those meetings, spend the time on those water cooler chats conversations how's the cat how's the dog you know how are the kids because that's that's obviously an such an important part of our lives that if you if you go straight into the meeting you're like you know everything gets so dry so absolutely it's those human connections and what I love about what you're describing here Sue is you're you're consciously creating a safe space for people to be creative and innovative yeah, yeah. Yeah. If we're with strangers, then it's a neuroscience fact that we're going to yes. be in fight, flight, freeze mode if we share bright yes. ideas. Yeah, yes. we're less likely to then actually be able to access that part of the brain and yeah. it will stifle creativity and innovation. If we just spend that five minutes doing the bit that the human bit. Yes. Yeah. I like this person. I trust this person. I'm going to be able to work with this person. This person isn't going to judge me. Right. Let's get on. Exactly, exactly. And without that, what we're going to get is maybe the 30% ideas instead of the 80% ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's such, such good advice. So everybody here live, I'd love to hear from you via the chat. And you can send a DM to me if you'd rather not chat in front of everybody. Is what could you do? Are you is your organization already doing this? Or what could you do in your team to implement that five minutes of human connection before you dive in in breakout rooms or meetings? The small chat that actually can go really deep. You know, for me as an introvert, I actually really hate chit chat mm-hmm. because I want to get straight in there. It's like, oh my goodness, that happened to you. How are you? What can I do to support you? Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in the weather. I am today, obviously. I'm going to be working outside yeah. for summer today in the sun. But that connection is yeah. really important. Being able to 
to be there on camera, eyeball to eyeball, seeing everybody who's in your little group. Yeah. Yeah. We're all here together. Let's create a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. A nice, a nice one warm up for that is um, because again, a safe space, but a positive space. So you want people to be positive and forward moving in the way they're talking. So I would say something like, um, you know, let's just, you know, get to know each other, but just to share one of your COVID silver linings, because it's been a grim year, but you know, what's one of your silver linings and everyone has a silver lining. And then that reveals something about themselves. Oh, you know, for me, it's exercise for somebody else. It's more time with the family or um, whatever. And, uh, and that then, you know, moves you forward. That's brilliant. So I'm going to hand this straight back over to those who are with us live, or if you're on the replay, you can let me know via the comments, okay? What has been one of your COVID silver linings? Let's put this straight into action and yes, practice it now so exactly you can bring it back in for your next COVID meeting. COVID okay? silver linings. I'm going to put mine in as well. Fantastic. So one of my COVID silver linings is outside of the homeschooling arena, <laughs> the kids are back at school, I've loved the fact there's been more flow. Yeah. And I've loved the fact that I don't have the same wraparound childcare I used to have. And it hasn't mattered. I can still pick my kids up from school, make sure that they've got through the hangry snack phase and then do whatever I need to do to wrap up my day. And I feel like I'm a lot more present for them. Um, And it's been a really big silver lining for me. And also, I've quite frankly loved the fact most of the time that my husband's been around and hasn't been up in London. (laughs) It's been pretty good. And we felt like a team. Yeah. So employers realizing that working remotely is possible. Absolutely. From Sue here being able to exercise every day in the week. Absolutely. A direct message I've got here is is being able to spend more time with my mum, who's who's got care responsibilities. That's beautiful. So Sue, moving on to our next topic, if I may, being able to meet people all over the world. It's another great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not having to travel quite as much. Travel's great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> brilliant. It also can be too much. Yes, living out of that suitcase. <laughs> yes. see, one of the other things that you and I have talked about before that I know you're passionate about is when we've got hybrid teams, there are going to be situations where some people want to be in the office all the time because that suits how they're wired and how their life is constructed. Other people are going to resist going to the office completely because, frankly, they've run their team or been in their team for 15 months, delivered all the objectives. Why do I have to now commute? How do we prevent a two-tier workforce, the Mm. the in-the-office, top of mind, getting the next promotion, going out for drinks, having a fantastic social life and team network, and the people who are in the office much less often, who might feel overlooked, who might feel that they're missing mm. out, this fear of missing out, FOMO, mm-hmm. that means that they then feel they have to go back into the office, even though they might not want to or feel safe doing so. Yeah. What are your suggestions for how we can mm. prevent that FOMO and stop that division within teams? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a massive um, it's a massive challenge the whole um, hybrid going back to work and I think it was interesting what Annalisa said there that the big taboo of remote working, you know, working from home but remote working again it's about framing. If you're working from home, you're kind of at home, so there's that question mark over it. So that's all been busted now. That taboo is busted. We can be productive. We can work from home. Um, um, but we've so so we've also I think. Um, realize how productive we can be when we're working from home so there's you know without any distractions I can sit here and I can really focus and I can get that report written or get that document strategy written or whatever it is and um, but we also realize that you get zoom fatigue you your your world I don't know if everyone's world but my world certainly has become smaller not just 
geographically, obviously it has, but just um, from what I'm being touched by and what I'm absorbing, even just going on the you know train and the tube, you, you see all these ads on the you know train, and you just feel like you know what's going on, even if it's just seeing people and what they're wearing. Um, so you realise your world has, has become smaller, and your and your ability to know what is going on across a large organisation has also become smaller. So all that's context to say. Working from home has been extremely effective and productive, but there it's beyond the water cooler that you're missing. So I think companies need to think about, you know, step, take a step back and think about well, what, what are we trying to achieve here, um, as opposed to just sort of setting down rules of or come in three days a week whenever you want and let's see how it works, as we as we said earlier on. So um so the starting point in most companies will be some kind of consultation because whatever works for everyone, whatever works for someone won't work for everyone. And it will depend on what your job is, what team needs to be in order for your company to work. And um, and, and so unfortunately, the people who you know don't want to commute anymore and want to work from home all the time might be disappointed because actually what team means and what actually having an effective work environment means might mean you do have to have some presenteeism at some point. Um, you, you need to be with the, with the, with the team, um, etc. That said, I'm a huge fan of the being able to work from a remote place, whether it's your home or your holiday home, or whatever, because you can do it extremely effectively. Uh, so w- when it comes to things like the FOMO, um, I think within the office, um, we've all been, we were all there before the pandemic, where you'd be sitting in a, a room, in a meeting room, and uh, there'd be three people who'd be dialing in and they'd never get a look in in the conversation because all the people were in the room and they were all chatting, blah, blah, blah. So um, just as we've had to adopt new disciplines for the way we work with our Zoom and our teams, as I was describing before, I think meetings will have to take a new role. And you can adopt some of those things that you did in the meeting, um, in the Zoom meetings, in the face-to-face meetings. And whether that is more turn-taking, whether that is, you know, tighter agendas, why were we meeting in the first place? So, sorry, I'm talking about meetings before I talk about the social stuff, but why are we meeting in the first place? Who needs to be here? Oh, three people are going to be in the office, three people are not going to be in the office. Great if you've got really wonderful tech that helps you do that brilliantly, but most people it will be a screen on the wall or or even worse, you know, just sitting around as if you're all on Zoom. Um, So then it's about... Okay, let's take it in turns. Who's in this meeting? What are each of you bringing to this meeting? Why are we each here? Um, have we done the pre-work? What was the pre-work? And then let's, okay, first discussion. Right, stop. We haven't heard from people on the line. You know, so you will have to just be more disciplined, I think, about doing that. So that's that sort of sets of behaviours that we need to start adopting that just in, are more inclusive to anyone who's not in the office. Absolutely. And just because it's such an important point you've made there, Sue, before we move on to the FOMO, um, one of the other things that some companies have been doing where they don't have the tech to have people up on a big screen is they're actually nominating a remote buddy in each meeting. So that nice. person That's a nice has the earphone and they have the Zoom on their laptop and they are then the voice for the Zoom attendees in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And if somebody has something to say, the laptop can be turned around and you see that person's face. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and that kind of thing, that's that's sort of working quite well. It's that intentionalism is right. We know we've got this many people missing. And as you say, Sue, is being very aware of, hang on, we haven't heard from the remote people for a little while. They might have something brilliant to say, but it takes an awful lot of guts to yell over a Zoom call. Yeah. So Zoom <laughs> buddy is a great idea because I can imagine doing that with your phone. So I can imagine having my WhatsApp hmm. uh, with my Zoom buddy saying, hey, my turn and and then I'll just say oh uh, Joe's got something to say and then Joe will come in and uh, say her say her or his thing um and yeah so that exactly those kind of examples of new behaviors is is what we exactly. need exactly and then this does from the point of view of keeping people top of mind because that's one of the big fears people have got is oh but only the people who are in the office full time are going to get opportunities and promotions particularly if they do it the way they've just described it's hey Joe's actually got something to say then everybody remembers oh Joe had a good idea Mm-hmm, exactly yeah. and then joe gets to express the idea themselves yeah so it's this kind of thing is how can we turn this upside down how can we yeah. forget how we used to do it and yeah. make it so it does work because frankly in most organizations hybrid is here to stay and we need yeah. to be open to new ways of working rather than trying to sausage machine the old ways yes and having people miss out so i love these ideas Sue. thank you yeah Yes, the and, and the other thing we were talking about before, uh, was also the um, the planning of the of the you know the office party or you know the office get together and missing going out on drinks etc. Um, even even before that, um, again the the sort of decision is and, and this this was um, so I, I shared showed you this earlier on so I did it was a fortuitous that this magazine came out a couple of weeks ago and so the centre here on get doing hybrid right. And uh, what hadn't occurred to me was what kind of hybrid are we looking for? So there's um, a time and a place hybrid. So the time hybrid is, you know, you can be inflexible or very flexible. And the place hybrid is, so you can work nine to five is the inflexible, or you can work whenever you want, which is the very flexible. Then the place hybrid is, um, obviously, you can work in the office nine to five. So before we were nine to five in the office. And the um, the inflexible is uh, the um, the flexible is you can obviously um, work from anywhere. So you think about that. We, are we moving to any time, anywhere, or are we working to in the office flexible time, or are we working to um, um, anywhere but actually nine to five? Um, so it's it's getting your head around those two dimensions that I think is the first thing, and and I think many many people who have families obviously want anytime, anywhere, because, you know, they love, they have loved getting up at six, working from six till 7.30, then doing the morning thing, 7.30 till nine, <clears throat> and then then starting at sort of 9.30, carrying on till three, and then stopping for a couple of hours and then going back later on. So they have a seven-hour day, but that seven-hour day is at different times. And I think there's, you know, no reason why that can't continue if, if the team um, contracts for that and if the company contracts for that. And then that's, so that's where you need to go to consult. So I think most big companies are now in a consultation process and they're looking at, um, you know, what are the different jobs? What are the different preferences? So it's it's putting the human needs um, 
as important, if not more important, as the institutional needs. Because at the end of the day, the institutional needs are, well, just so that we can keep everyone in order and we know where everyone is and we know that everyone's working hard. Well, we have kind of proven that over the last year, that everyone can work hard and everyone does kind of do their job. And if if they're not, then I'm wondering why they're employed. Absolutely. And a lot of people, if companies try to come back in with that control, which I talked about this with Janet Hitchin last week. So those of you watching this, make sure you catch Janet's interview. We talked about are these decisions being made from a place of control and fear? And some companies they are. And the best employees are going to vote with their feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be exactly. a mass exodus to companies that offer a working style that that person wants. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's then about uh, then about style. So so yeah. So then back back to FOMO. It will be within my team. You know, our team has decided that you know we there will we will always be in on Tuesday and Wednesday or Monday and Thursday or whatever the days are. Um, and so then everyone needs to sign up for that. Um, and, and whether it's in teams or whether it's in, um, um, you know, sort of, I mean, whole, having the whole company doing that is probably going to be impossible. So, again, you'll, and then you might agree to swap it. So that day is and then the next week. It's another week. And so you might not make every single week, but then knowing that this is the day when everyone's going to be here. Um, so you just you just have to, as you, I think you said earlier on, Who's going to be excluded from this decision? Um, but it, but then I said, how can we make sure that those people who might be excluded are included in the discussion about that decision? And I think that's what some of the companies in, in here were saying. They've actually not just gone to the usual suspects when it comes to deciding on the go back to work policy. You know, <clears throat> they've they've talked to everyone. They've talked to junior people, senior people, mid level people, people who are out on the you know out on the road a lot, people who are in the office a lot, people who have kids, people who don't have kids, people who have lives that don't involve children but don't involve being in the office. So, yeah, so kids, yeah. And I think that's such an important point, Sue, is it's looking as an organisation, who is in your team that's being consulted to make these decisions? Because one of the things I've seen in some organisations, and definitely not with you guys at Ipsos, but within other companies, is people on the teams, on the return to the office teams, are often the younger single people in city flats with no garden who, frankly, have gone stir crazy for the last 15 months and deserve a medal. Yeah. And so there... Their, their predisposition, if we look at the reticular activating system filters in the brain, their filters are for how can we get everybody back in? And we need to make sure that the people who've got carer responsibilities, the people who, as you say, have a life outside work, gosh, yeah, is that they are in those teams too. That We have that broad range. We're including people from every aspect of our organisation in those decisions. And it doesn't mean, as you've said before, Sue, it doesn't mean we can meet everybody's needs. Yeah, but it means that we've consciously chosen which needs to meet and we've done mm-hmm. our best because, you know, people, some organisations I'm seeing people are being dictated to, you will now do three or four days a week in the office. Well, why? Yeah, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Which we talked about with Janet last week as well, is why starting with how is the wrong way around. We need to be starting with why, which is something you've used a number mm-hmm. of times today. Yeah. <clears throat> what is this going to do for the organisation? What is it going to do for our employees, for our people? Then you start looking at the how. Once you've understood, where are we aiming for? As you said, are we aiming Mm -hmm. for the ultimate flexibility in time and space? Mm -hmm. Or are we actually aiming for Mm -hmm. most people will be back in the office? What kind of organisation do we want to be? And how can we support people on that journey? 
Yeah, one of the one of the um thing uh, one of the um suggestions in the magazine as well, which I think is a good one, is thinking about how your policy is um, shaped by your values as a company. So if you, if if um, I don't know if empathy is high on your values, then why wouldn't you consult everybody? You know, you can't just want to be an empathetic organization and then say, and you will be in three days a week. You know? <laughs> so what are the company's values and and how does that then reflect what you know how you're going to um uh, approach this but then i think you know teams and working in teams is um is is really important <clears throat> because of this hybrid um way of working you know the meaning of team and how teams need to work together you know is obviously evolving as well so um I think we I've been in a team who I've known probably have been the team for the same five years, a global team. We've always worked remotely. We've always, you know, had whether we were in the office, or whatever. So one in Canada, one in Singapore, one in um uh in the UK, one in France, etc. So we've always worked remotely. Um, but um, but we have missed each other very much. And uh uh, so we only saw each other really three or four times a year as a team. But those those were the those were the high points. Those were the memorable moments. Those were the experiences, you know, that you felt. Oh yes, we went up and we saw the Eiffel Tower from this restaurant, and you know, they're, they're my head career highlights. You know, I'm, I'm afraid I had that one career highlight on that um, workshop I told you about earlier on, but very few real experiential highlights are going to be sitting in front of this Zoom compared with the, the face-to-face. So you have to create a room for face-to-face and then and, and making those memories. Absolutely. And I know something you and I have talked about in the past, Sue, is that you can't build a team on Zoom. And you've just described beautifully what we need to be doing instead is this consciously choosing to create experiences yes. that bond us as a team. Yeah, and, and potentially throwing away the rule book on what they're allowed to be. It's got to be more than we just go out for lunch. Yeah, is mm-hmm. you know, with the travel budget, for example, it's fairly available. What could mm-hmm. we use that for to allow yeah. us all to say, do you know what? Yeah, I feel like I belong here now more as a result of today's experience. Yeah, 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 exactly. Ex- exactly. Uh, really, really important for particularly the, the younger groups who haven't formed. So, you know, you can you create a team on zoom with you know you can and they will of course they will because you you know you just get on and you make your your um the best of it and there are many uh you know great team experiences that that we've had but um you know having having that face to face um will create the bigger experience i think Brilliant, Sue. I think that is a perfect spot to leave it. It's been absolutely wonderful. (laughs) I know, isn't it? It's just wise. It's so much fun. I've absolutely loved hearing your wisdom and your insights today. We've had some great feedback by the chat, those of us who were live. If you're on the replay, make sure you you let us know what is your one action that you're going to take as a result of today. If you share via social media, the hashtag is making hybrid work. And if you know anybody else that would love to be catching these interviews and being inspired by these speakers, they can get their free ticket at makinghybridwork.com. Sue, you're an absolute gift to this particular topic. I love I love how you're approaching this. I know that you'll be inspiring a lot of people with what you've been done. And thank you so much. Yeah, for thank you very much for asking today. me there. It's uh, been a delight and lovely to see everybody. And uh, yeah, please do drop me a line if you have any uh, any questions at all. I'd be very happy to, to answer them. Thank you. Thank you, Sue.
Show notes, deep dive resources, and access to Claire's inspirational weekly soul-led leaders email is available for you at clareyosa.com forward slash soul-led leaders.